0: This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. It was a beautiful morning in Los Angeles not unlike most mornings in that area of the West Coast. It was a Friday, the last day of the month, February 28, 1997. The end of the month meant that it was payday and a lot of people would be heading to their banks to deposit paychecks. In the North Hollywood area of LA, the Bank of America, located along Laurel Canyon Boulevard, was open for business. They were short-staffed that morning, and by 9.15, the waiting line was growing. This branch was the largest in the area, and on payday, it was also the busiest. This meant that the bank would typically be holding a large amount of cash, something 26-year-old Larry Phillips Jr. and 30-year-old Emil Matasaranu were counting on. My name is Eric Crosby. Welcome to True. The two friends had met years earlier, in 1989, and shared many of the same interests. Both had dreams of being bodybuilders, of being the next Schwarzenegger, or Hulk Hogan. They could often be found hitting the weights at Gold's Gym in the Venice neighborhood of LA. Phillips and Matasaranu also enjoyed firearms, a shared interest that would eventually monopolize much of their time. The two would spend countless hours modifying weapons and practicing their shooting skills at local firing ranges. Larry Phillips, high school dropout and repeat offender, and Emil Matasaranu, ill-tempered and self-described social misfit, had lots of time to lift weights and play with guns. Several quick money scams and unsuccessful business attempts were getting them nowhere. In the fall of 1992, Larry Phillips was arrested in Colorado after being implicated in a real estate scheme. His family posted the $10,000 bail not long after he was arrested, and soon he fled back to California, straight to Emil Matasaranu. Reunited, the pair went on the road. Along the way, their petty cons quickly escalated to major crime. On July 20, 1993, the men were in Littleton, Colorado, where they held up an armored truck. They got away with an undisclosed amount of cash, and no one was injured. Three months later, on October 29, 1993, Phillips and Matasaranu were pulled over just outside of LA for speeding. They were arrested after police found both carrying concealed weapons. The two were disarmed and taken into custody without incident. That may have been the worst of it had police not searched their car. In it, they found what can only be described as a military arsenal. Officers logged two modified semi-automatic rifles two handguns, thousands of rounds of ammunition, half a dozen smoke bombs, several improvised explosive devices, police radio scanners, two sets of body armor, ski masks, sunglasses, wigs, stopwatches, and several different California license plates. A long list of charges followed, including grand theft auto, concealing a loaded weapon, conspiracy to commit robbery, and unlawful weapons activity. Incredibly, the two avoided a harsh penalty after a plea deal that saw them sentenced to less than 100 days in jail, followed by five weeks of probation. By all accounts, Larry Phillips and Emil Matasaranu served their minimal time quietly. When they were released, they obtained a court order to have their weapons and other seized gear from the car returned. All items, with the exception of the explosives and the illegal firearms, were eventually given back.
1: Happy now, the hunt is on for two suspects accused of robbing an armored Brinks truck.
0: Just over a year after gaining their freedom, the pair robbed another armored truck, this time in their home city of LA. On Wednesday, June 14, 1995, 51-year-old Brinks security officer Herman Cook was walking back to his truck after making a cash delivery. His partner, 53-year-old Felipe Cortez, waited in the driver's seat, As Cook neared the truck, Phillips and Matasaranu opened fire from behind a nearby wall, hitting the guard three times. Herman Cook staggered a few feet around the side of the armored vehicle before collapsing. The attack was so sudden that he didn't have time to draw his sidearm. It was just before 12.30 in the middle of the afternoon with plenty of witnesses at the adjacent gas station and nearby busy intersection. That didn't stop the heavily armed robbers both dressed in black, from unleashing dozens of rounds into the truck. As one of the gunmen continued to fire rounds at the truck, the other ran over to grab the money. As he approached, Felipe Cortez fired two rounds directly at him. Cortez later reported that at least one of the shots struck the suspect square in the chest, but he claimed that the suspect didn't fall as expected. Instead, he staggered a little as the bullet seemed to simply bounce off. Investigators later concluded that the robber must have been wearing some type of body armor. Before taking off with a money bag, the gunman fired several more rounds at the truck, piercing the armored cab and striking Cortez in the chest, face, and neck. He was hit a total of four times, but somehow survived the attack. Herman Cook, father of two, wasn't so fortunate. He was rushed to the hospital where he died several hours later. Phillips and Matasaranu escaped with around $125,000. The brazen attack was not the first time an armored bank truck had been robbed, but the extreme firepower used to carry it out was incredibly unusual. Authorities investigating the robbery dubbed the pair the High Incident Bandits due to their use of military-grade weapons and armor-piercing ammunition The witnesses described two massive men in ski masks and sunglasses, dressed in black. The physical description matched Phillips and Matasarano, but once again police were unable to make a positive ID. Several days after the incident, a $125,000 reward was offered for information on the suspects, but no arrests were ever made in the case. A year later, the pair became the main suspects in another Brinks truck robbery. On March 27, 1996, a security team of three was attacked as they made their rounds through L.A. As the team neared an intersection, two bullets pierced the heavily reinforced glass window shield like it wasn't there. The first bullet hit the driver's side and ricocheted off the dashboard before lodging in the truck's roof. It was so close to hitting the driver that it reportedly destroyed the microphone handset he was holding in his right hand. The second bullet missed the driver's head by mere inches as it passed through the cab and through the steel plating of the truck's armored vault before hitting the floor. That's when the driver saw the Ford van heading right for them. A third shot shattered the mirror of the driver's side door. Another shot quickly followed, striking the driver's door again. This bullet hadn't gone through, though, as it was later found in the lock assembly. A second later, a fifth bullet struck just above the driver's door. As the 25,000 pound armored truck plowed ahead, the robbers quickly realized that they had lost the upper hand. They would never be able to stop the truck without stopping the driver, and that obviously had not gone as planned. They broke off the pursuit, abandoning the van in a nearby alley and setting it on fire to cover their tracks. The driver of the Brinks truck, now covered in blood from the exploding window shield and shrapnel, managed to get the truck to a safe location before climbing out and collapsing. He was taken to the hospital and released not long after. No one else was injured in that incident. When investigators found the burnt-out shell of the van, they discovered a charred police scanner. No charges were ever made, and the case was closed a few years later due to lack of evidence. Just over a month after the botched armored truck robbery, Phillips and Matasaranu upped their game by targeting an actual bank. On May 2, 1996, the pair entered a Bank of America in the Van Nuys area of L.A. Again, wearing dark clothes, body armor, ski masks, and sunglasses, they walked straight into the lobby. Matasaranu headed to the reinforced door separating the tellers and the vault area. As Phillips shouted for everyone to get on the floor... Matasaranu opened fire on the security door, spraying it with over 20 bullets. The door was designed for small arms fire, not high-powered assault rifles. The AK-47 rounds easily shattered the armored divide, injuring two bank tellers who were hit with shards of glass and debris. Matasaranu kicked the door open and ordered the manager to open the vault. As he filled a large bag with stacks of bills, Larry Phillips was in the lobby stealing money from the terrified customers. When he was done with purses and wallets, Phillips went for the teller station, where he filled a brown paper bag with cash. Approximately eight minutes after entering the bank, the robbers took off in a white car they had left running a short distance away.
2: Breaking news police
0: say the Bank of America was held up just after 10 this morning. Chopper 5 was
1: over the scene as police searched the area for the bank robbery suspect.:
0: Several weeks after that, Another Bank of America was robbed in almost exactly the same way. On March 31, 1996, the robbers stormed through the front doors, shot through the reinforced security door with a high-caliber weapon, and forced entry to the vault. But something wasn't right. They had watched the bank for days, and monitored the police scanner, so they were sure a large delivery of money had been made earlier that morning. So why wasn't it all there? What they didn't know was that because of the recent robberies, Banks had taken the step of changing delivery times at the last moment. With a fraction of the cash they were expecting, in anger, Matasaranu fired a shot inside the vault. No one was injured, but those outside the vault thought for sure he had killed someone. Like the last robbery, eight minutes had passed by the time they made their getaway. But again, something wasn't right. In the rearview mirror, they could see it. They had a tail. As they drove their white chevy at reckless speeds away from the crime scene, a man who had witnessed the robbers leaving the bank was in fast pursuit. In his grey Ford F-150, the citizen kept the chase going for over five minutes as the robbers sped through stop signs and zigzagged through town. But as the two vehicles approached an intersection, the man caught a clear view of the robbers weapons. He also could see that they were still wearing masks. It was enough to make him end the pursuit. As the robbers blew through the next stop sign, he veered away. Last seen heading south, the robbers got away. The two heists over the last four weeks had made them over 1.5 million dollars, but whether it was the money or the adrenaline rush, they wanted more. Their substantial firepower had so far been matched only by their incredible luck. But in less than a year, their good fortune as bank robbers was going to change in a big way. In less than a year, the country would be watching live coverage of one of the most unbelievable gun battles in U.S. police history. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... Larry Phillips and Emil Matasaranu set their stopwatches for eight minutes. Based on past experience, this is the amount of time they assumed it would take before police responded. The plan was the same as before a takeover style robbery, quick and loud. They were outside Bank of America Branch 384, sitting in a white 1987 Chevy sedan. The windows had been tinted, so no one could see that they were both wearing ski masks and covered in body armor no one could see their assault weapons or see when they popped barbiturates to calm their nerves. And when they emerged from the car at 9.17 a.m. on February 28, 1997 and headed for the entrance of the bank, no one could see that the next 45 minutes would rival a Hollywood movie. The two had parked the white Chevy in the north parking lot of the bank, thinking perhaps that it provided better escape routes than the south lot. As the masked figures approached the bank's north entrance, they didn't notice the police car out on patrol. The two police officers driving by certainly noticed the large men, dressed in black, carrying assault rifles, walking into the bank. The coincidence was extraordinary, as was the chain of events that followed. The officers pulled the car into the south lot and called in the 211, police code for a bank robbery.
2: Possibly two or three
0: suspects in size, possible AK 47s are wearing ski masks and dark clothing. Moments after entering the bank, the robbers opened fire, sending dozens of rounds into the ceiling.
2: We've got automatic fire coming from somewhere from the bank
0: location. More shots are being fired from inside the bank. As the two robbers had done in the past, one of them shot open the security door to the tellers and vault area, while the other remained in the lobby. This time it was Larry Phillips who entered the vault with the branch manager. Discovering that the bank was holding far less cash than they were expecting, Phillips unleashed almost a hundred rounds of ammunition into the vault. His outburst destroyed a large amount of the cash they were after, so he ordered the manager to open the ATMs. Unfortunately for the robbers, and most likely because of them, recent changes in bank security procedures meant that the manager no longer had access to the machines. Before leaving the bank with just over $300,000, dollars They moved the 30 staff and customers to the safe. What the robbers didn't know was that the cash included three dye packs that would explode when they moved beyond six feet from the bank. Phillips and Matasaranu also didn't know that in the seven minutes they had been inside the bank, dozens of LA police officers had taken up positions outside.
2: 15839 is responding code 3 to Lower Canyon north of Pitch Ridge, 1583 wants the unit on the north side, on the south
0: side, and on the rear. W73, we got the front of the bank covered. We both think the best best where we is. They had every exit, intersection, and street covered. There was nowhere for the high-incident bandits to go. Officers believed that once the pair realized they were surrounded, they would either give up or, worst case, go back inside and take hostages.
1: As we told you, uh, this has been a very fluid situation. It started at 9 o'clock this morning at the Bank of America in North Hollywood.
0: But the criminal duo didn't take hostages, and they weren't about to surrender. At 9.24 a.m., Larry Phillips emerged from the north entrance, the same door the two had entered only minutes earlier. Uh, the advisors, I think somebody just came out
2: of the uh, front door of the Bank of America. The you know, I unknown. Person has exited the
0: bank. He quickly scanned the area. And according to reports, did not seem intimidated or shocked to see police waiting outside. But from his vantage point, experts believe that he may not have seen the additional units. He went back inside, before emerging again moments later. He stopped, but his hesitation lasted only a moment, before turning towards squad cars covering the intersection of Laurel Canyon Boulevard and Archwood Street. Phillips raised the AK-47-style rifle to his shoulder, and opened fire, sending round after round, punching straight through the cars.
2: Stay down. The assessment are shooting AK-47. Everybody stay down. Rapid automatic fire. They're in the area with fire. Swat is being notified. Call 3. All officers,
0: stay down. Shots are being fired from AK-47. As a witness later described it, quote, the cop car just exploded. The police immediately realized that the shooter was firing armor piercing bullets and they called it in.
2: L40, is that is that is armor piercing ammo? L40, what type of ammunition? They possibly have armor piercing ammo. The suspects possibly have armor piercing ammunition.
0: Officer Dean Haines was hit, as were two civilians who were also taking cover behind the cruisers. As Phillips continued firing in the same direction, Officer Martin Whitfield, who had taken position behind his car, was also struck. When he tried to take cover behind a nearby tree, he was hit again. He was the fourth person to be shot within the first few moments of the battle. Any unit know how many officers are
2: down? We have one. More than one, more than one. There's more than one officer down?
0: As the low-impact bullets coming from police-issued pistols bounced off his steel-reinforced body armor, Phillips turned his attention to the police directly across the street. Two officers and two detectives had taken position behind a kiosk in the parking lot of a shopping mall. Officer James Zaboravan, at the time the only one at the scene with a shotgun, leaned out from the side of the kiosk and fired. The shot was a direct hit. Expecting Larry Phillips to collapse, he was horrified to see him stumble a bit, before regaining his posture. A moment later, bullets began ripping through the thin walls of the kiosk as he sprayed the area. Officer Zaboravan was struck twice as he tried to shield the others, his bulletproof vest offering little protection against the armor-piercing ammunition. Now we have an uh, officer down at the southwest corner of uh, Kidridge and Laurel Canyon. Shots are
2: still being five, officer's down, southwest corner, Kidbridge and Laurel Canyon.
0: Injured, but able to run, Zaboravan, helped by one of the detectives, ran the short distance to the mall, where he spotted a dentist's office. As they ran inside to safety, the glass door was shattered by gunfire. The dentist, who had been watching the gun battle unfold, treated the officer until medical help arrived.
1: An absolutely incredible scene from this botched bank robbery. Firefighting it out with police officers police behind of him, not
2: really right. Please stay inside. If you're there, anywhere near this area.
0: It was 928 AM, and Emil Matasaranu, who had been inside the bank until now, emerged from the south exit. He took aim across the street, at the officer and the detective, who had also run out from behind the kiosk seconds earlier. They had taken cover behind some parked cars, not far from the now bullet riddled shack. A moment later, they would both be hit during the barrage of bullets. when the robbers went back inside the bank a minute later to get the money. Officers used a break in gunfire to drive in and pick up the injured officer and detective. Suspects are in front of the bank. They're requesting a
2: recovery unit to pick up the officer. 15 and one other officer is down. Unit, this is a citywide tack alert. We are now on tack alert due to an unusual occurrence in North Hollywood Division. A citywide TAC alert. We are now on TAC alert.
0: At 9.30 a.m., Phillips and Matasaranu exited the bank again, this time with a bag of cash in tow. They walked casually toward the getaway car, still parked in the north lot. Hi. The suspects
2: are exiting the bank on the north side of the building, armed with AK-47, wearing heavy body armor.
0: Police continued firing with their pistols and shotguns, doing little to penetrate their modified body armor. As Larry Phillips approached their white Chevy sedan, he opened the trunk and retrieved more ammunition and weapons. He then took aim at a news helicopter, hovering above the dramatic scene, forcing it to climb.
2: Are you gonna keep your altitude? Shots are being fired.
0: <laughs> Phillips fired over 30 rounds at the chopper, presumably as a tactical move to keep from being followed as they made their escape.
1: The suspect is shooting at our helicopter and the other helicopters. We are being shot at this time.
0: After several more minutes of exchanging gunfire with police, at 9:34, Matasaranu, now wounded by a couple of bullets to the upper leg, climbed into the driver's seat of the getaway car. Phillips remained outside, walking back and forth between parked cars, shooting at anything that moved. This the SWAT this location. An ETA for SWAT. With the SWAT team still minutes away, police at the scene knew their weapons were useless against the wraparound body armor. They knew there was a gun shop nearby, so pinned down officers put out a call for available units to ask for as many assault weapons as the shop had. To any unit that is available to go to B&B and pick up some weapons. They're requesting someone to go to
2: B- and pick up we- weapons.
0: In the meantime, the robbers were making their slow getaway. In fact, it was a really slow getaway. At 9.41 a.m., Matasaranu backed out of the parking spot while Phillips stood guard outside on the passenger's side. He casually returned police fire, but otherwise, the two appeared to be in no rush to leave.
1: I've never seen anything like this in all the time that I've been here in the city, and I've uh, I've seen quite a few bank robberies, and this is, this is just absolutely unbelievable. Normally, they would be holed up inside the bank, but uh, this is just uh, completely brazen when they come out of that bank like that with no regard whatsoever, not only for their own, own situation, but for anybody else. They're just randomly firing at anything in the area at all.
0: With the trunk to their car still open, and at no faster than a crawl, the two headed toward the northeast exit of the parking lot. Phillips continued to provide cover fire as he walked alongside the getaway car in the footage police bullets can be seen ricocheting off his body armor it's believed at this point he had sustained at least one gunshot injury authorities were desperate to stop the heavily armed robbers from bringing the battle to the residential neighborhood directly behind the bank
1: hopefully they don't go anywhere else but uh, hopefully they can keep them pinned here and not allow them to get into any of the uh, homes in this particular area
0: but without better weapons there was little they could do with few choices, and in an effort to end the shooting, officers can be heard over the radio advising to let the car drive away. But as the getaway car reached the northeast exit of the parking lot, Phillips, who had been walking right along next to it, inexplicably separated. It was 9:53 a.m over 40 minutes since the robbery began. Larry Phillips, still spraying the area with machine gun fire, ran out ahead of the getaway car. He turned east along Archwood Street, heading right into the residential area. The suspect is walking east of the bank. he's just daring people to come after him. If somebody
2: has a shot, take it. Suspect's heads. One suspect is walking east of the bank. 15-0-10 if someone has a shot, take it. Is not going down. He's got heavy armor. Go for the head. The suspect has heavy body armor
0: the are firing at him and he's not going down. As Matasaranu drove out of the parking lot a short distance behind, the SWAT team, which was now on scene in the south parking lot of the bank, was prioritizing the rescue of the wounded. Officer Martin Whitfield, who had been seriously injured early on and was still taking cover behind a tree, was not doing well. He was losing consciousness and needed help. The SWAT team commandeered a passing armored truck, hoping it would provide better protection than their squad cars. At the very least, it would have the space to hold the team while they collected the injured. Everyone stand by. There's an armored car coming in full of police officers. As the truck reached the cruisers in the intersection north of the bank, they discovered the two wounded civilians, still taking cover behind what remained of Officer Haynes's car. All of the injured, including Officer Whitfield, were loaded on the armored truck and rushed out of the kill zone. While the SWAT team was rescuing the injured, Larry Phillips, who by now had walked a couple of hundred feet along Archwood Street, stopped behind a parked tractor-trailer. We've got one suspect driving the white vehicle. He's down from the north parking lot. We've got one suspect on foot. The suspect on foot is behind a long uh, trailer, truck trailer rig. It only took him a few seconds to attach a fresh 100-round magazine to his machine gun.
1: Oh wait a minute there we do goes. have some activity here he is he's right beside the truck continuing to walk eastbound now i don't know what happened to the person in the car but uh, this guy is just continuing to walk Oh, he's firing some more at the officers and the officers are off to his right to the right of your picture there across the street you can see two officers behind those two vehicles right there and they're trying to uh, maintain their cover position so that uh, they can uh, stay away from the suspect's gunfire but I cannot believe this guy is just continuing to uh, come out here and fire at the officers in this area.
0: Matasaranu, still driving the car a short distance behind, appeared to give up on his partner and quickly drove past him. He stopped the car a short distance ahead, before taking off again a few seconds later.
1: Now we have this vehicle. What we thought was going to happen was that this vehicle was going to come up and try and pick up that suspect that we saw brandishing the AK-47 firing indiscriminately around at uh, police officers.
0: Now alone, Phillips unleashed another barrage of automatic gunfire until a police bullet ripped through his left hand. Undeterred, he continued firing at police one-handed, when a moment later, a malfunction caused his weapon to jam. Injured, exhausted, and now armed only with a 9mm handgun, Phillips emerged from behind a truck and continued to shoot at officers across the residential street. Police returned fire, their bullets bouncing off his armor, but the impacts were enough to make him drop his gun. Phillips got to one knee and picked up the weapon. He then stood straight up and put it under his chin. With no apparent escape, he pulled the trigger. One suspect down, but where had the other gone?
1: You can see they've got that suspect down. Uh, He's been shot. That's one suspect in custody. We're looking for the white car. And we aren't sure exactly where that car went. It's not in the parking lot. And uh, what we understand is it might be moving down the streets, firing as it goes, but we aren't sure. We're still trying to locate that car. And until we do, uh, we'll keep searching around this area here and keep an eye out. But right now, uh, apparently he's uh, he's moved over to a street called Archwood.
0: Matasaranu, who had been injured earlier in the upper leg, was still driving the getaway car east along Archwood. But police had shot out the tires, so he only made it a few blocks from the bank before he had to stop. He got out of the car on the passenger side and started shooting at nearby motorists. We the suspect in the vehicle is out of the vehicle. He's shooting at civilians. The suspect is out of the vehicle shooting at civilians. Unable to carjack anyone, he limped over to the driver's door and climbed in. Matasaranu was able to drive the badly shot-up car another block before attempting another carjacking. It's now 9.58 a.m. Unaware of the dangerous situation, a 1961 Jeep pickup had driven within feet of the badly damaged getaway car. Before the driver could react, Matasaranu began firing from inside his car through his own window shield. Bullets flew through the window of the pickup,
1: I I don't understand what's going on here. He's firing into the car.
0: Covered in blood but able to move, the driver opened the door and ran in the opposite direction. Matasaranu drove the few additional feet to the driver's side of the pickup truck and started transferring weapons and gear. Having found his new getaway vehicle, the robber got in and shut the door. But a few seconds later, the door opened and he stepped out. The truck's owner had taken the keys, leaving Matasaranu stranded.
1: Okay, we have the In sight right now, we do have the car, it's right up here and as you can see they've got bullet holes all in the windshield of this car and I don't know what relationship this pickup truck has to that car, oh, there there he is, it's a suspect coming out of that pickup truck.
0: At that moment, he spotted a police cruiser approaching quickly. But this police car was carrying members of the SWAT team and they screeched to a stop within feet of the pickup truck. Matasaranu grabbed an automatic rifle from the truck and moved to the front of his white Chevy. A second later, all hell broke loose as officers opened fire on the gunman. This time, they also had automatic weapons. Their bullets, however, were still bouncing off his steel-reinforced body armor. As the close-quarters battle continued, Matasaranu was able to return fire, spraying the police car with bullets through the pickup truck that sat between them. As the SWAT team took cover under their car, they saw an opportunity. The seemingly invincible bandit had a weakness. His legs, they noticed, were not covered in armor. out
2: of 10. If the have a shot of go for the legs. They don't have body armor on their legs. Shoot for the legs.
0: Officers took aim and began shooting. A second later, with his legs riddled with bullets, Matasaranu slumped off the hood of the car to the road. The Battle of North Hollywood was over. Be
2: advised there are two suspects in custody. One and one.
0: It was 10.01 a.m., 46 minutes after the high-incident bandits parked their car at the Bank of America. Emil Matasaranu had been struck almost 30 times, but somehow was still alive. Bleeding heavily as he was restrained, he reportedly asked the officers to kill him. They didn't. Instead, authorities closed off the immediate area, designating it a hot zone, in this situation according to procedure not even an ambulance can enter over the next 65 minutes manaceranu lay where he had fallen handcuffed and bleeding he took his last breath on the road in front of his bullet riddled car news happening in north hollywood two men shot dead and others are rushed to the hospital witnesses say the neighborhood sounded like a war zone cbs2 the swat team then turned their attention to the bank unsure of what they would find inside All they knew at that point was that there had been almost eight minutes of continuous automatic gunfire while the robbers had collected the money. Fearing there could have been a massacre, the team entered the building. Officers were surprised to find the lobby empty. No bodies. No signs of blood. Continuing their search of the bank and still finding nothing, the team made their way to the vault. The vault. The door was slightly opened, and as they entered, they found the customers and staff inside, alive and uninjured. Unsure if there was another suspect on the run, everyone was escorted to a safe area while the authorities searched a one square mile around the bank. Over 300 law enforcement officials were on scene at that point, and it took them another 12 hours to conduct the search. When it ended, they were confident the only suspects involved were the two they had stopped. Larry Phillips and Emil Matasaranu showed no regard for life or property as they waged a private gun battle on the public streets of L.A. The powerful weaponry used in the attack took first responders by complete surprise, and the incident would go on to fundamentally change policing across the U.S. In all, the gunmen fired over 1,100 rounds of ammunition from an arsenal of firearms. Authorities later found over 2,000 additional rounds in their car, along with more weapons and equipment. Despite the 44 minutes of carnage as they tried to kill their way to freedom, in the end, Phillips and Matasaranu were the only deaths. The Battle of North Hollywood could have easily been mistaken for a scene straight out of a Hollywood movie, and in a strange twist, it kind of was. When investigators raided the suspects' home, they discovered a movie in the video player. It was the 1995 blockbuster Heat, starring Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. In the movie, a gang of bank robbers uses military weaponry against an outmatched police force. The dramatic scenes on film are strikingly similar to how events unfolded on the streets of North Hollywood on February 28, 1997. True is a production of Imperative Entertainment. This episode of True was researched and written by me. The executive producer is Jason Hoke of Imperative Entertainment. Cover art and design was created by Jenna Sullivan. True was created and is produced by me. Comments? Questions? Get a hold of us at podcasts at imperativeentertainment.com. A huge thanks for listening and for all of your amazing reviews and ratings.